right, and welcome back to another episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of the AC Milan offside from SB Nation. I'm your host, Patrick Stoll, alongside Tim Fontenot, at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenot, and at SBN Rossonero is where you can get a hold of us. Uh, New Year, new AC Milan, and oh, by the way, New Year, new podcast. More on that in a second, but New Year, new AC Milan after completely crushing the souls of every single supporter in existence uh, with their uh, December 22nd 5-0 demolition destruction liquidate the club game loss to Atlanta. Um, AC Milan appear to have things, dare I say it, back on track, right? A nil-nil against Sampdoria. We'll take it, I guess. A 2-0 win against Cagliari. A 3-0 win against Spall. A 3-2 win against Udinese. Zlatan in. Rebic actually does have a use. And Teo Hernandez might be the best left back in the league. So, AC Milan go from dead and buried, season over, liquidate the club, completely done with this as we all were as they sent us into Christmas and the new year in misery and dejection. We now come into almost February in eighth place, 28 points level with seventh place, which is Parma, only two points back of Cagliari in sixth And then you get two teams who actually kind of have their act together, but more on that later. Again, thank you for listening to The Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of the AC Milan Offside, now on the brand new platform on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Feels strangely similar to what we were doing before, but uh, here we are on Megaphone. We are on the... Uh, on the podcast network now feels super duper official. So now when I say the official podcast of the AC Milan offside, um, I'm telling the complete truth. I'm not withholding. I'm not withholding any evidence at all, Tim. I'm complete truth, straight shooter, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure everyone does that. Um, but yeah, thank a special shout out to John from SB Nation for helping us out and getting us situated, inviting us in in the first place. Um, super cool to be like in the SB Nation podcast network um, and really excited to, you know, get this started in 2020 and really get the ball rolling and see uh, where this takes us. So on that note, Speaking of where this takes us, I'm going to bring you in here, Tim, because I am just so excited that the games actually mean something again. I can actually, like, I have a reason to watch because at the end, and I keep saying this and I'll keep saying it, the lowest point that the club has had maybe in a decade was the 5-0 loss to Atalanta. And it was the holiday season. We were both busy. 
there was work and then the holidays and then work came up again. The whole deal. Honestly glad that we didn't record a podcast after the Atalanta game. Because I think that would have been it. I honestly, that was, uh, I, I told, you know, I, I got, I was getting the score updates and I, I wasn't able to watch that day. Uh, thank God. Um, I saw the lowlights after and I told my wife, this is horrific. Like this is not supposed to happen. And that was the lowest point that we possibly could have hit. But now it looks like we have everything back on track. And dare I say, the Zlatan effect? Yeah, I think you can absolutely say the Zlatan effect. And look, I think we're starting to see now with that. I, my head was spinning when this first happened. First of all, because I was so excited that we were getting Zlatan back. And I think because us as Milan fans... People who have followed this team for years, some of us coming in on two decades now at this point, we knew what the Zlatan factor could be. Everyone else was talking about, oh, he's 38, he's past it, he can't do for you what he did in 2011. No one expected that. No one expected him to come in and score 10 goals, 15 goals. Heck, on ESPN, the my guys put the line at 8. Uh, the amount of goals he might score. And that's fine. No one was expecting him to come in and light the league up. Zlatan has never gone back to a club before. He's always moved on. And I think that's pretty telling that he was willing to come back to Milan. He loves the club. He loves the city. And he lit a fire in this team. And I think it's pretty obvious the way that they have rallied around him. And I'm not, I don't want to say that they're playing for him, but they see him out there and they see the way that he is, you know, he's at 38, he's doing things that we haven't seen from this team in a long time. He's a number nine dropping back into the midfield to win the ball, to be in position to get the ball and have guys running in behind him to get in attacking positions. They have this willingness to attack again that we haven't seen and He's just completely lifted this team up with him. And we're seeing it in the performances of guys around him. Rafael Leao has been outstanding. Ante Rebic comes in the other day and does what he did, pulling the almost the Kevin Prince Boateng against Lecce almost 10 years ago at this point. Ooh, that's I, a nice throwback. One of my all-time favorite matches. Good I wo- dig. I woke up at halftime in that game. It was 3-0 Lecce. I was a college kid on a Saturday morning, and I was like, what is the point of this right now? And Kevin Prince Boateng showed me the point. <laughs> so I just I'm seeing a new a new revitalization of this team with these guys that are stepping up around him. And he's you know he only has the one goal in his appearances so far. He's not gonna you know he's not gonna light the back of the net on fire, but he's gonna get other guys in positions to score, and he's gonna get this whole team playing for the shirt again. And it's about time because there is. There are some really good players in this team. As you said, Teo Hernandez could be the best left back in this league. What a season he's having. And just watching him bang forward and score goal after goal. And the goals that he's scoring are amazing. So he's giving you reasons to be excited again. I'd say Rebic all of a sudden stepping up. That's a reason to be excited. Rafael Leao, gotta love that. Ismael Benacer is starting to be the guy that we wanted him to be. 
Romagnoli continues to be Romagnoli. We got a hiccup from Donnarumma the other day. We, you know, we were due for one. Let's be fair, but he made a couple saves that really saved that game for them too. So, you know, there is a great core of young players in this team that are that you can build around from Donnarumma to Romagnoli to Benacer to Leao and Hernandez. And then you have Zlatan to inspire them all. So I we're 10 points off fourth. I think that is completely unrealistic. But you know what? At this point in the season and seeing the way they're playing, go after Copa Italia. Or the, you can make up the seven points. I think it is the sixth place. Or you can make up the points to... Oh, I'm sorry. They're only two points off sixth place. So you can make up the points to sixth place. Or you can make up the seven points with Atalanta because Atalanta has shown some holes since uh, since beating the ever-living out of Milan. But, you know, I think that that's still doable too. So there's reason to play again. And by the way, just how rock bottom that result was against Atalanta, it had only happened three times before in Syria for Milan that they had lost by five goals or more and it hadn't happened since 97 so i think i think that's that was my lowest point as a milan fan i i woke up because that was a 6 30 game on the east coast in the u.s and i woke up before i was heading into work and i saw the score and honestly i thought we were heading in a really bad way at that point already i was numb to a 5-0 score. I was numb to one of the four worst Serie A defeats in club history. Because I was just... That's where we were. And that's who we were. We were a team that would go to Bergamo. Just within, within Lombardy. To a club that has been a minnow to us for years. Forever. They've been a they've been a minnow within the region forever. They've always been they have they've been at best third fiddle to Milan and Inter. And they dragged that team around the pitch like we were the minnows. Oh yeah. And it was just pure embarrassment. So the only way to go from there was up. But the performances since then have been what we haven't seen yet this season. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah, it's so a, a lot to unpack there. It's nice to finally see what we thought we were going to see coming into the season. Because things like this, if you had told me that we would start the season out with a 3-2 win you know, despite our best attempts, I might add, against Udinese, <laughs> I mean, I would have rolled my eyes and said, yep, yeah, here we go again. New season, who dis? Oh, yep. right. Um, but I would have taken it because it's a win. This and, like, the, the spirit that I saw, you know, like, what we actually saw, like, the the guts of the team, against Udinese, against Cagliari, against Spall. Like, they're actually together now. And the last episode that we did uh, of this podcast 
was pre-Zlatan, and uh, your computer was still being fixed, so it was just me. Yes. And the take that I had about Zlatan was, why not? Give me a reason yeah. why not. He's free, right? We don't have to pay him a transfer fee. I know we have to pay him wages, but we don't have to pay him a transfer fee. Everyone gets wages, all right? I know he's going to make a lot of wages because he's Zlatan, but there's no reason to not say, yeah, sure, right? He's been here before. He just finished filleting Major League Soccer's regular season. Like <laughs> Nice dig right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is one of the best players that Major League Soccer has ever seen. And that's not a Major League Soccer knock. When you say how good Zlatan has been, I don't say, oh, but it was in MLS. Yeah, it was in MLS. And like, yeah, like... MLS could take a couple lessons in defending. But you watch Zlatan and the way he goes about, he went about his business in Major League Soccer. And it was just on another level. I never, like, it looked easy for him. But it was because he was Zlatan, right? And he that that's still there it's just clear that the body is slowing down so like zlatan's still there he's just slowing down like time is creeping up on him all that said why not why not take the six month flyer or a year i said a year um but six months that is not shocking at all in fact it only makes sense you bring him in this team needs something, and they've gotten something, all right? They got a goal. He clearly brings more to the team than was there before. He can only be a positive, and he is, because the movement that you and I would see when he was playing for the Galaxy, that same work rate, that same movement, just going into open spaces, which this team didn't seem to know how to do particularly well at all <coughs> the, this season. Piontek, <laughs> literally anybody, right? Yeah. Chalinoglu, yeah. useless. Yeah. Got to be fair to everyone. Yeah, that was... It's just like, <laughs> he is actually doing that. And like, even the effect of having him there, right? Just on a basic level. People are going to be like, oh my god, that's Zlatan. That's the other team looking at him like, oh god. But also, your own team. It's like, if I don't perform or I don't try, I am going to get roundhouse kicked by this dude. And my odds on favorite to get um, karate kicked first was Chaonogu. Because I, and I think he is still number one. Uh, although Rebic is creeping up there for me, I think Rebic could try and argue with Zlatan, just get roundhoused. But, point being, he is a top five motivator in the world. 
He's one of the guys who walks into a locker room and demands respect no matter what. Based on his experience, his records, his trophies, everything. Bringing that to the team is worth the money. And you know what else is worth the money? Seeing the San Siro full again and excited again. And like something to grasp onto. And I was trying to describe this and like... When you describe it to someone who has who is not an AC Milan fan and who has given up on AC Milan's season, it sounds a little it sounds a little lame, right? And I'll admit that it sounds a little lame. We're relying on a 38-year-old Ibrahimovic. If you take Ibrahimovic's name out, it actually sounds pathetic, right? We're relying on a 30-year-old or 38-year-old, excuse me, striker coming from MLS to reboot our season on our second manager when no one shows up to the games and the squad has proven to be pretty much useless. That's where we're at. But when you insert Ibrahimovic, it kind of makes a lot more sense. And that's what it's starting to do. The season, it's coming like the clarity is starting from Milan. Think even things like the reports that came out that said Zlatan uh, has made it clear that Liao is his preferred partner. And and then the next game, they both score. He did the same thing with Christian Pavone in LA. He said, Christian Pavone's my guy. And then the next thing you know, they are just the dynamic duo. Electric. So I don't, when people were making the case of like, oh, we don't need him. I'm like, we're not going to sign anyone else. We're not going to, we can't afford anything else. We're going to sell, which we'll get to in a second. We're going to sell more than anything. We need something. Zlatan's there. Zlatan has said he's down. Here he is. What, what could go wrong? Thing, the season was already, we were saying lost season in November. What is the harm in bringing Ibrahimovic? And already there are benefits. And I know we're only a few weeks in and we could have a string of results and then he could go out into the press and be like, this entire team <laughs> sucks. And just completely eviscerate everybody. And, you know, he could flip off the ultras or he could say, you know, Maldini was never that great. And like all that stuff, like he could. But right now we're seeing the positives of bringing in Zlatan. And I didn't see a problem with bringing him in. I still don't. He's worth the money and the off the field impacts. Just the little bit of hype that we got when it was like, oh, he's actually back. Except they didn't get number 11. Fabio Barini, uh, let me tell you something. Like, let me tell you something that grinds my gears. Fabio Barini waited until Zlatan Ibrahimovic joined the club so that Zlatan could not pick number 11 because Fabio Barini was holding number 11 hostage. Zlatan comes, grabs 21, whatever. He, he give the man a proper number like give him one of his numbers right just just do it right and then fabio barini leaves right 
that was cold, calculated, and malicious. <laughs> but in fairness, don't you think that legendary Milan trequartista Fabio Barini has earned anything he wants with his service to the club the last few years? Oh my god. <laughs> The fact that he's gone... See, here's the thing. We make fun of Fabio <laughs> Barini a lot. Um, but he never complained. He never argued. He never... Nothing ever showed up in the press like, oh, Fabio Barini says AC Milan is crumbling to the ground. That never happened. Like, he was one of these perfect soldier players. And for that, I respect him and I thank him for his service. Wasn't particularly good at a lot, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it, it was, we've had, yeah, I can confidently say this. We have had worse. He's not Jamel Mesba. He is not Kevin Constant. Who just retired. Let's, let's did he take actually? a moment. He apparently he did. Oh my god. So he is not I'm trying to find a worse Oh, he's not AC Milan um Essien. Oh that man. was pretty bad. That was rough. Pretty bad. Um so anyway, I mean we can, you know, F to pay respects to Fabio Barini, but also the Zlatan effect, folks, if you thought the Zlatan effect was not real. It's real. And it's here. It's Zlatan's world and we're all living in it. We're only going to get a couple months of this guy. He ain't coming back after the summer. He's come to basically do exactly what we've said. He's going to create some hype. He's going to come back to Milan, score some goals, make some money, and walk out. That's exactly what he's going to do. He, so... You said your guy set it at eight. Yeah, the guys on ESPN FC were they had a debate about whether he would get to eight goals in okay. Syria. And you know, I just I over under eight. I I'm gonna take the under. I'll look, but I'll put it at like seven. I think he can I think he'll score a few. I think he'll score one against Brescia. But you know, again, I, he's it's weird because, you know, just piggybacking off of something you just said earlier about being a 38-year-old coming from MLS. Like you said, it's Zlatan. Zlatan's neither a normal 38-year-old and he's not a normal M striker coming from MLS. The guy is his own breed. And the things he's done are amazing. And even at 36, 37 years old when he was playing in Los Angeles, I mean, the age is catching up to him. But he's still literally roundhouse kicking a ball out of the air with his back turned to goal for his 500th career goal. He's still like just scoring with his head, scoring with bicycle kicks that he sets up for himself. His first touch in MLS was the bicycle kick goal against um, LAFC. Um, oh, the, his the midfield first goal. MLS yeah. touch. Yeah. And then the, I mean, the things he did in this league were. The league is horrible defensively, and we're very aware of that. Uh, my team set a record for the most goals conceded in 2018. Nailed it. And shout out to FC Cincinnati for conceding one more the following year. Nailed it. But, uh, 
I mean, he's amazing. I still, I just don't, I think he plays a role in this team that doesn't necessarily require him to score goals. I think we've already seen the way that he allows players like Leao to run in and get the get the ball in that. The way he allows Rebic to come in, he lays the ball off and Rebic is there. You know, Hernandez can, for all I care, go on and be capo cannonier still this season because he'll just keep shooting from 20 yards out and he'll find the back of the top corner every time. But I don't know. I just, I don't feel like he's going to score a lot of goals and I don't think he necessarily needs to. It's interesting. And I, I agree. So let's, let's do this. So uh, as part of being on the SB nation podcast network, uh, we have this new wrinkle in our podcast episodes, and those are commercial breaks. So we're going to take one of those right now, and after the break, I'm going to tell you how many goals I think Slaton is going to score and why. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back. Welcome back to The Devil Wears Rossonero. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside Tim Fontenot, at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenot, and at SPN Rossonero. It's where you can get a hold of us. We were just talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, we have we have the number of eight goals over under, and Tim has taken the under, and the position being that he does a lot for the team, but it's not all necessarily goals, right? So his role with the team is not score first. Uh, I am going to take the over on eight, and I'll tell you why. I think even if he doesn't score, Dark games, if he makes his way onto the pitch, he will. This is like the Zlatan on the field effect that I just think he's going to find himself in scoring positions enough. And my other take for this is because it is Zlatan, and this is purely like this there's no real reason for this take but i completely believe it because it is latan we know the kind of personality he is we know the kind of player he is and we know he goes for the big moments he's gonna have a hat trick one of these games he absolutely is going to bang a hat trick and it's gonna be awesome i'm here for it and that would be three he currently has one so now we're at four and then you only need to score i'm gonna go ahead and take the over that doesn't mean i think he's gonna get to 15 he'll get to either nine or ten uh but i'm gonna go over because mainly propelled by the fact that I think he's going to bang a hat trick at some point, which, I mean, the day that he does that, I, 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 think, it, I think Milan Twitter has been through some legendary days. Um, legendary days including, and I'm open to suggestions, by the way, when the team was bought by the Chinese ownership, um, the day Higuain left was a legendary Milan Twitter day because the replies to the Chelsea announcement 
were just some of the most brutal and funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, nowadays everyone is so dejected or was so dejected that we found other things to occupy our time with. Um, but I do, I, I do think that when Zlatan gets a hat trick, I think that's going to cause a complete Milan Twitter meltdown. And I mean, there was enough. So this is actually, this is an interesting transition. Um, that brings us to uh, someone who caused a complete meltdown on Milan Twitter. And that's Ante Rebic um, <laughs> alongside Teo Hernandez, who causes a lot of Milan Twitter meltdowns recently. More on that in a second. Um, Ante Rebic, and I teased it in the open. He was a player, and just to give you context here, uh, he is the Andre Silva trade player. <laughs> so he, it was either him or Andre Silva, and I believe you and I both had the same take when we got Ante Rebic, was, well, we know what he can do. We know what he is, he's experienced, but he's young, like, he's young, he's, he's no... It's not like he's 38 years old. Um, he, he's been there. He's played in a World Cup. He is experienced, and he can add to the team, and he will do more than Andre Silva. And then the season came along, and... The season happened. And here we are. We really haven't seen anything from Ante Rebic. Um, I've heard the words useless. I've heard the word donkey. I've heard the word... Um, I, no one has said they'd rather have Andre Silva. Which is funny how that works. But it was very clear that the Giampaolo thing and the Rebic thing... We're not working. And now that it's Pioli, and now that Zlatan's there, and now that everything is kind of coming into focus for a team that really didn't have a direction before, Ante Rebic is starting to really show his worth. He's really showing up now. Uh, the winner against Udinese probably created so much noise they might have to evaluate for structural damage at San Siro. <laughs> they should probably do that anyway. <laughs> they should, well, they should, yeah. hopefully they haven't given up on it with this new stadium project yet. But yeah, I mean, Ante Rebic is starting to look like, not not a player we can rely on. Because I, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Um, which sounds super dark. Like, oh no, I don't want to do that. But, he sound, he's starting to really look like a guy that we can turn to, that we can use now. Um, you want to hear something interesting that I just found out as I'm looking at Transfer Market? I would love to. So I'll take you back first to when he moved from Fiorentina to Eintracht Frankfurt at the end of his loan. They purchased him after, uh, after that in 2018. 
So I'll, I'm, I'm going a little farther back than that. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I'll go 2018. Nah, I'll, I'll go when he first went to Frankfurt in 2016 when his market value was $1.03 million. Fast forward a little bit. He joins them permanently. He's at like 34, 34.2 when he joined Frankfurt, even though they bought him for $2.28 million. Uh, you go to last summer. He's valued at $45.6 million. Since the summer, since he joined Milan on loan, he's dropped in value by more than $11 million. Oh. So that's just, that's rough. That's a really far slope that I'm scrolling between right now. But you know what? Good pick up again. Could definitely pick up again. I'm not saying he's going to make up $11 million in the next few months on transfer market, but you know what? He has a chance to play really well these next few months. And I think playing in this second striker role sort of next to Ibrahimovic when he comes on, you know, I think that would be great for him. You know, if um, not saying that it shouldn't be Ibra and Leao up top, but you know, having Rebic play in behind them or in behind Ibrahimovic on, on his own or playing in, in behind Leao on his own, you know, we saw the way he was able to run into the box on the back of Ibrahimovic getting the ball, and that's how you set up the winner. Um, you know, I think that's great for him. I think we were kind of trying to pigeonhole him into the lineup a few times early in the season. And then realized, well, this doesn't work. And, you know, Gianpaolo didn't know what he was doing with him. He didn't know what he was doing with anyone for the most part. Let's be honest about that. And Pioli's just been kind of trying to, you know, get results. And just he had certain certain guys he could rely on. And now all of a sudden he feels like he can rely on Rebic. And, man, if you keep putting him in positions where he can be great, then... You got to do it. You got to keep giving him those opportunities until he loses the trust. I mean, I think that he could be great for this club going down the stretch. It's just a matter of giving him the opportunities and letting him shine. And speaking of shining, because I, I completely agree with you, I think Ante Rebic is trending upward. Uh, I'm not ready to anoint him anything. Um, obviously, you know, not not that you did. Right, but I'm not. I'm not about to sit here and say, you know, start him every game or this, that, and the other. What I can say though is that he definitely is looking more of a serviceable player instead of just some useless hack that we traded for in a deal for a useless hack. You know what I think? Part of it is, to be perfectly honest. Um, again, we're going back to the Zlatan effect, and I'm not saying having, you know, just he sees Zlatan in the room, and all of a sudden, he's ready to go. Um, if you go back to that Atalanta match, they were still playing that 4-3-3. And since Zlatan came into the lineup, we've been seeing more of a 4-3-1-2. We've been seeing someone up top next to Zlatan, or just in behind him. We haven't, you know, when Suso comes out, we see some wide play, but... We haven't really been seeing that 4-3-3 as much, and I think the formation change has helped a bit. I think it's helped get players in better positions to succeed. And I think you know, we're starting to see that now with Rebic, with Leal, they've both benefited from that so far. Um, you know, Benacer has been outstanding recently, and so 
I think that that's a big part of it too. And I think it's a part that people aren't talking about as much, or at least I haven't seen them talking about as much. So I just wanted to make note of that real quick is that formation change can't be overlooked. Oh, absolutely. Especially when we started the season with a manager who seemed married to one formation and then about faced into a different formation, like every single game. Wait, did we start the season with Vincenzo Montella's manager? Yeah, <laughs> it's shot. The comparison is shockingly not far off for a guy who was held to have all the answers. Um, and speaking, so before we get to Teo Hernandez and how ridiculously good he's been, uh, I have two questions. First of all, because you mentioned Suso, would you sell Suso? I would sell Suso. How much? I think... This is where it gets tough. Because I'm not entirely opposed to selling Suso. But that doesn't mean I think we should. However, if we were to get... 35... I was going to hop in the range of yeah, 30. 30 to 35. I think I'd do it. But what I've seen a lot of is Suso for some cash and or and Chinga's under. And I'm I'm not sure I want that. I'm not sold on Chinga's under. Yeah, especially after the for like with if they stick with this formation change. If we were playing a 4-3-3, I I would have different feelings about Chinga's under, but so if you sell Suso, do you, because I, again, I am not completely opposed to selling Suso. I don't necessarily think we need to sell him. I don't necessarily think we should. But do you, because we're, we're running out of time in January. There have been links for him to be sold in January, but I'm not sure if it's actually going to happen. So... You know, regardless of time, do you replace him? Like, let's say if he sold in January, do you go and flip the thirty million, or do you like for a player, or do you just take the money, consider it a profit, and move on? Because this is where I get hung up. This is where I get hung up too. Yes. And it might sound kind of dumb saying this, but anything you get for Suso is profit because they paid 1.3 million euros to uh, Liverpool back in the time, back in uh, back in the old days. And you know, I mean, he's done great things for the club. He's and you know, it's. I think we've seen this this winter. There's been a lot of just trying to get wages off the books there's been a lot of you know trying to make up some money here and there if you can get 30 for suso i i feel you just you got to do it you've got to get that money in and just try to make up some of this financial burden that the club has and you know if you know he's i just i don't know what else he could do with this club I got one for you. It's Danny Almo. Would you 
and this might actually be a pretty simple question and answer. You have the choice, Suso or Danielmo. You get the choice, you make it tomorrow. What do you do? I think I take Danny Almo. I think I take Danny Almo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the ceiling is higher on him. And I don't think that he's going to be the kind of player where the entire attack has to go through him. I think he's going to be, I think he could be a great addition to an attack. And if we can get an up and coming player like that, you know, future of the Spanish national team, by all means. I think people thought Suso was going to be the future of the Spanish national team at one point, and that just didn't work out. But I I like the Danny almost shout. Mine, I kind of had to rescind mid-thought because I realized I just talked about this formation change, and if we stick with it, it's a good thing. And I had to, I had to finally come to terms with not getting Ricardo or Cellini at any point, mm, which, yeah. I mean, if we were going to, Stay in if a, only. If we were going to stay in a four three three and get thirty million for Suso, I'd just be like, "All right, can you send that? Like, can you just send that thirty down to the Renata Dallara and just give it to Bologna?" Yeah, and just then, just redirect it. Yeah, yeah, and then just tell them to send them up our way. Might take more than thirty though at this point for Orsolini, but that's another discussion that we don't have to have because if you know. We're talking about Danny Olmo now, the future Milan number 10 who's going to do great things. Yeah, I, I mean, and the links are there, um, allegedly. Um, there are links to Danny Olmo. Do I think we are going to secure Danny Olmo? No. No, I don't. I, I would love to. I would love to believe it. And I believe it, but I'm afraid that the deal just isn't going to happen. There are bigger clubs. There's more interest. Uh, Milan are not the only team that have seen Danny Almo do well. And I think someone is going to snatch him up or we're going to just miss that opportunity. It's going to be unfortunate, but, you know. Are you going to be like the rest of me on Twitter and waiting for Dinamo Zagreb's lineup to come out every day and just going absolutely nuts when it Oh, does? absolutely. Oh, I'll be there. I, I can't wait. Um, but again, this is also the transfer, the January transfer window conundrum of everybody knows that the January transfer window is going to happen. Everyone knows when it starts and when it ends. And yet it always seems to catch people by surprise. And no team in Europe seems to be prepared for the January transfer window to start. And then they, the, the window opens, and that's when they start conducting any transfer-related business at all internally. And so they don't know what they want until, like, the last week. And then it's too late to get a deal done. Unless you're Milan, who made the best January signing of all time, and I'll stand by that forever. You go back to 2011... And you talk about Mark Van Bommel Ooh. coming in on a free from Bayern. Yeah, fair enough. Yep. Best January move ever. Oh, for I sure. I think that that was the decider in winning the title. Oh, so absolutely. I just, oh, I, I digress. Um, no, no, I, I like it a lot. Um, I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to beat that. Of course, our last two um, January signings were uh, 
Piantek and Pakata, who were both supposed to be the anchors of our team, like for the next decade, and one of them can't hit the broadside of a barn, and the other can't get into the starting lineup anymore. Uh, so, not quite sure what's happening there. But, real quick, we're going to take a commercial break. On the other side, I'll tell you who can hit the broadside of a barn, and <laughs> who is shining for AC Milan in probably one of the more unexpected circumstances once he's finally been given the chance to shine. Uh, stay right there. This is the Devil Wears Rossonero. And we're back. Welcome back to the Devil Wears Rossonero. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside Tim Fontenot at Stoll underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenot. And at SBN Rossonero is where you can get a hold of us. Uh, I told you before the break that I would tell you who can shine for AC Milan, who is shining once he was finally given the chance, and it's Teo Hernandez. Teo Hernandez is absolutely electric for AC Milan. This man, once he... So, making the move from Real Madrid, it only took a couple games for everyone to realize this guy is so much better than Ricardo Rodriguez. This guy needs to be in the lineup. And I never want to see Ricardo Rodriguez ever again. And once Teo Hernandez got healthy and was given the chance after Ricardo Rodriguez's abomination against Inter, AC Milan haven't looked back. Teo Hernandez has evolved into not only AC Milan's starting left back, not only AC Milan's consistent starter, not only into a consistent forward playing left back for the team, uh, which is plugging the hole that Ricardo Rodriguez so irresponsibly left, which is not the first thing he has left completely unguarded. Um, I mean... I mean, it's not like the dude defends, but so you end up taking a forward playing left back and replacing him with a forward playing left back who actually can defend and is better offensively. So the Teo Hernandez move was objectively correct. He's now turned into one of our biggest scoring threats and has guided us to victory in 2020 so far. (laughs) And I'm loving every minute of it. And one tweet I saw that I really liked was, shout out to Paolo Maldini, who despite all of the doubts from the first half of the season, literally managed to nail a transfer, which... We haven't really nailed a transfer in years. It's weird to celebrate nailing a transfer. <laughs> right? Right? Meanwhile, Liverpool can't not nail a transfer, right? So, first of all, he actually got this right. Second of all, why did we ever doubt that Paolo Maldini knew what he was doing with Teo Hernandez? Paolo Maldini is the greatest one of one of, if not the 
greatest left back to ever play the game. He's the greatest Milan player to ever touch the pitch. But in terms of a left back, he's the greatest <laughs> left back to ever play the game. The greatest defender to ever play the game. And people are like, oh, I, I'm not so sure about Teo Hernandez. I will say what's impressive about it, to be fair. The fullback position is not what it was when Paolo Maldini was playing. And so he's he's identified someone who is strong on both ends of the field. And before you continue with your very excellent point, so good on both sides of the field that he is, in fact, Milan's top scorer in Serie A this season. (laughs) See, those are the weird stats that, like, you love, but you hate. Yes. Because I love that it's like, yeah, who's our leading scorer? Teo Hernandez, baby. But also it's like, oh my God, of course our leading scorer is a defender. <laughs> like, of course it's not someone you would guess, a la Piontek, or Paqueta, or Liao. Or, I don't know, it, your wild card guess could have been Bonaventura, like, somehow. And right? yet here we are with Ante Rebic tied for third or fourth on the yeah, team. <laughs> yeah. Well, and here we have also, just as, as we begin to kind of wrap it up here, um, Bonaventura had a... Mm, that... That Udinese game, man, that was not good. That was really not good. Um, I I think time is really catching up to him as well. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. But I... uh, I don't know. I'm starting to get nervous. I don't want him to leave because I know there are reports that he might leave. I don't want... I'm, I'm not ready to part with Bonaventura yet, but... And that was hard to watch. Um, who's not hard to watch? Teo Hernandez. Well, I was going to say Benacer, but oh, yes. Yeah. The, the, both of these statements are correct. Before we lack lyrical on Benacer, I just want to point out how dumb I feel about Teo Hernandez. Because obviously these last few years when we've come in with transfers, you know, we've taken them with a grain of salt. Like, hey, this guy seems promising. But, you know, what's really going to happen once he puts on red and black? And I just remember he got hurt in that Bayern Munich friendly in the ICC. And I remember thinking to myself, he just got hurt trying to be a hero, banging forward from the left back position to try to take on this Bayern Munich defense and score a goal. And I was like, I don't know how comfortable I feel with my left back doing that. And look what happened. So maybe just completely irresponsible left back. Yes. So maybe don't do those runs anymore. And now I just feel very dumb about that and nah. i just wanted to point out how dumb i felt about it let's talk about how amazing ismail benacer is ismail benacer in short has turned into the player that you and i thought he was going to be he's turned into the afcon player of the tournament absolute tank this dude is great i i love like he it's it's great also because he has ascended to the 
consistent starter place, and we don't have to see Bilia anymore. Almost We're forgot not about Bilia, right? Uh, Which is a we, good thing. <laughs> we we aren't forced to watch him anymore. We can just watch Benacer, who is good at what he does, and like the whole like AC Milan being unable to craft a spine of our of our team not just our midfield our team like you're slowly (laughs) one building block at a time finally actually starting to see the spot because i know that you know piontek was supposed to be the striker for the spine right and it's like okay well it's, it's 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 not it's not him but we finally have our regista we finally have our midfield anchor and it's Benacer. We have our uh, center back and it's Romagnoli. We have tentatively our goalkeeper, even though he's mistake prone, he's young. It's okay. Donnarumma. He's, he, he's our guy, right? I know. He's nowhere near the goalkeeper prime yet, which is amazing. He's that's still years off. He'll, like it's gonna be fine. I I'm not a big fan of the mistake prone Donnarumma, but it's gonna be okay. And now we're just in the hunt for the striker, and it could be Liao. I mean, I'm I'm liking what I see from Liao, but the spine of the team is really starting to come together. You know, one by one, we're we're eventually getting there. Um, last thing before we wrap it up. Uh, you and I were talking about this off air. Um, next game is against Brescia. It's on the road. And unfortunately, the man, the myth, the legend, Mario Balotelli, will not be playing in the game against his former club. He got a red card in Brescia's previous game, which was absolutely a conspiracy. <laughs> that was absolutely rigged. There's no way that Mario Balotelli was walking off that prior game without a red card because there's no way he wanted to play against AC Milan. He absolutely did it on purpose. I cannot be convinced otherwise. He would have jumped somebody walking off the pitch in order to get a red card so that he would not play against AC Milan. And that is my take. So we will take on a Balotelli-less Brescia and hopefully add to our undefeated 2020, dare I say. And then Tuesday is the quarterfinal Coppa Italia matchup against Torino, which, you know, we can talk more about that later, but that's uh, feeling a little, I don't know. Yeah. You know, Good, but also nervous. Walter Mazzari's had Milan's number recently. I don't like it. But what I'm really looking forward to from these next few games is watching Sandro Tonali play, to be perfectly honest. I, That's uh, true. I go through and I grab all the, all the Serie A goals each week and I put them up on YouTube as, uh, as one video. And I just like I, I try to find the best angles of each goal, the best replay angles. And my gosh, the first goal that Brescia scored the other day in their match he it was a free kick that he swung into the box 
and there's a back angle of it from behind, like the like the angle from when Pavard scored that World Cup goal for France, that ridiculous curling shot. And the way this dude swung this ball in just over the top of everyone's heads to, I think it was Tortogrosso, or I can't remember how you even say his name, the guy who had two goals in the game. And the way he just swung that ball in was, yeah, Ernesto Torregrosa. It was unbelievable. Just the precision, the pace, the way it moved. I mean, this dude, we've been, people have been talking about him as this, like, this next Pirlo almost. I believe it. This kid is, this kid is amazing. So, if nothing else, if you're just like, you know what, they're playing Brescia, it's going to be terrible. Just watch for that, because that is going to be so good. Future Juventus player, Sandro Tonali. Yeah. Um, Very, (laughs) he is good, and he is fun. And he's and absolutely going to be wearing black and white. And he absolutely is going to break our hearts for years to come. But, I mean, you you know, a man can hope. But uh, I don't think he's coming to Milan anytime soon. But I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, final point before we wrap. Um, AC Milan in the January transfer window. Don't expect any more signings. Unless it's Danny Alamo, that would be really cool. But don't expect any big signings. But it's been pointed out um, by members of Milan Twitter and also uh, by you, Tim, that it seems like we are doing a lot of salary shedding and a lot of dead weight cutting in this transfer window, which leads me to believe that Boban and Maldini and Gazidis are trying to get rid of as much unnecessary salary and cost as they can, and in doing so become compliant with FFP, and then can do what they want instead of what they have to do in terms of player acquisition in the summer. So everyone, keep an eye on that, because the more money that we get rid of, the more money we have and then the more money we have we can actually stay ffp safe and not be hunted down by these lunatics and then we can actually once we have the money we can actually spend money again which can boost our squad to be better so uh, keep an eye on that it's it everyone has started really noticing that we might not be adding but we are subtracting that's pretty that's that's valuable that's going to be really really important if they get rid of enough and free up some space and some wiggle room and see what they can do in the summer that that's when people start getting excited so on that note thank you for listening to uh, the latest and greatest episode of The Devil Wears Ross and Nero, uh, the official podcast of the AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside my co-host Tim Fontenot at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenot, and at SBN Ross and Nero. Tim, thank you as always. Really appreciate it, and I uh, look forward to talking again soon, all right? Always a pleasure. Glad we're officially official now. Yeah, officially official on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Another shout out to John for helping us get set up here. Um, Really appreciate it. And thank 
you to all of you the listeners really appreciate your support your feedback as always please subscribe please leave a rating uh give us feedback if you'd like uh we do read the feedback we do read the reviews so we really appreciate the time uh thank you for spending your time listening to this and oh by the way if you have not already subscribe itunes we're working on spotify and uh wherever you listen to podcasts and go ahead and share uh, our podcast when we post it on twitter and when we retweet it on our own pages so again thank you very much for listening uh for tim for the staff of the ac milan offside and for the sb nation podcast network i'm patrick we'll see you next time hi friends thanks again for listening and guess what You've made it all the way to the end of the podcast. That means that there are a few more ads headed your way in just a couple of seconds, but I'll give you a quick countdown so you have time to find something else to listen to, even if that happens to be another Devil Wears Rossonero episode, wink, wink. So thanks again from me and Tim for listening, and uh, the ads are on their way in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.